0: Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome to Prophecy Today. I need 90 minutes if you can give it to me. We're going to talk with our broadcast partners around the world, literally, and we're going to find out what they have to say about current events in light of the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word. This is an opportunity for you to not only hear the latest current events happening, the news, but in addition to that, get an understanding of what God was talking about through the ancient Jewish prophets of the end time scenario found in his word. So glad you could join us. We've got our broadcast partners standing by and the first one is Ken Timmerman. He's the man who covers the geopolitical activities for us. And we are so honored to be able to have Ken at this broadcast table each and every week. Ken, a mystery is swirling around what caused the ammonium nitrate to explode there in Beirut. Can you give us any insight at all?
1: Well, to start with, Jimmy, the port of Beirut uh, has been controlled by Hezbollah for quite some time. Certainly since uh, these explosives were deposited there. From a ship that was seized in 2013 or 2014, uh, there is uh, some information out there that a Hezbollah team may have been working on a bomb with some of that explosive, and uh, you know, connected a detonator uh, improperly. It's called the Bozo Factory among intelligence sources. Uh, you know, a kind of accident accident where the where the bomb makers blow themselves up. But then that ignited the entire warehouse. It was not, from what we know so far, uh, an intentional explosion. It was an accident, but it may have been caused by Hezbollah. And what's interesting is that since this enormous explosion, which has got to be the largest non nuclear explosion in the history of the world, you know, with over 2,000 tons, a million pounds of ammonium nitrate, uh, what's interesting is that people in Beirut have been protesting and calling for two things out on the streets. Number one, for the resignation of Michel Aoun, the president, who I happen to know very well. He's a Christian, but he has sided with Hezbollah and is working closely with them. And the second thing they're calling for is for Hezbollah to be kicked out of the government. So those are very significant. Everybody is pointing fingers to Hezbollah. We don't know how directly they were involved in the actual explosion yet.
0: Ken, am I correct that terrorists out there across the world use ammonium nitrate in order to build a bomb to use in their attacks? Is that not what their substance is?
1: Absolutely correct. It's called an bomb. ammonium nitrate fuel oil. You mix the two together, you get a deadly combination. It's not sure how that happened in Beirut. Uh, There have been accidental explosions with ammonium nitrate, but this was just... Cataclysmic. It was unbelievable. Now, the other thing that we saw in the immediate aftermath when countries in Europe in particular, the French, the Italians, and others were sending in aid to Beirut coming into the airport, you had three seven forty sevens from Iran run by the Iranian Air Force, controlled by the Iranian Air Force coming into the Beirut airport. Normally when they do that, the Israelis will take them out because they know that they're bringing weapons. This time they did not because of the disaster in engulfing the entire city. I think they, the Israelis probably concluded that it was uh, it would be unseemly to hit the airport when the seaport had just been completely destroyed. So the Iranians are clearly in there as well. We don't know what they brought in those three 747s, but it's an awful lot of cargo. And if they were bringing humanitarian aid, you would think they would be boasting about it and they've not.
0: A lot of very important information still to be known, because the investigation is still underway as to whether this was intentional or seemingly an accident, which is what Ken has just related to us. Well, let's change the location just a bit. Turkey is doing something in northern Iraq. Do you have any idea what that is?
1: Uh, yes, the Turks have uh, greatly expanded their military operations against the PKK, their allied groups. Now, these are areas that I have visited. I visited with both the PKK and the Iranian Kurds who are in the Candle Mountains. The Candle Mountains are on the border between Iran and Iraq, and they go northward to the Turkish border as well, over an extent of you know something like 200 kilometers on back roads that are spine-crushing back roads where you need a four-wheel drive vehicle just to Get around. But the Turks have been launching uh, attacks with F 16s. They have been assassinating leaders of the PKK. And they've set up an intelligence base in Erbil, the capital of Iraqi Kurdistan. They're working very closely with the Iraqi Kurdish Party, the KDP, the Kurdish Democratic Party of Iraq, uh, against the Iranian Kurds who are against the Iranian regime. So they are really kicking up their activities. They have military bases now in northern Iraq. Northern Iraq has almost ceased to be an independent area. They're becoming increasingly a colony
0: of Turkey. And Turkey is almost always on every conversation that we have. I understand that uh, there may be con- some concern in China, for example, Turkey's neo-Ottoman reach and their desire to revive the old Ottoman Empire is starting to needle China. That could be a problem for Turkey, could it not?
1: Well, it, it could be a problem for Turkey, but remember, the Turks believe, and especially under Erdogan, in this neo-Ottoman empire that he's trying to piece together, Erdogan believes that he is the leader of the entire Muslim world, but to start with, he is the leader of all Turkic people. And the Uyghurs in uh, western China, in Xinjiang, are a Turkic people. Their language is somewhat similar to Turkish, like Azerbaijan. So Erdogan is trying to dominate these parts of Central Asia, uh, in addition to everything that he's doing in other places in the Middle East that we've been talking about in Libya and in Syria. So yes, this could be a potential problem. There are 8 million Uyghurs in China. The Chinese have put roughly 1 million of them into forced labor camps, concentration camps. The U.S. State Department has been protesting quite vigorously about this.
0: You know, folks, as you listen to this conversation I'm having with Ken Timmerman, you have to recognize... All of these are players in the prophetic scenario that is found in God's word. In fact, don't go away from Turkey yet, Ken. United States has sanctions, uh, new sanctions they're putting on the area, but uh, they see that the Islamic State's cash flow, the monies they need to operate, are still running through Turkey. Turkey has a very interesting role trying to play two ends against the middle, aren't they?
1: Well, uh, yes, they are. And it's very interesting to see these recent sanctions It's say- a network called the rawi network in iraq they are laundering money for isis through turkey this is something that we've been following jimmy for a number of years when isis was still present in northern iraq and syria their financial networks all went through turkey and that seems to be continuing today so what you see here is the u.s treasury department this past week exposing one of these financial networks we don't know if they're tied directly to Erdogan and his family the way that the earlier financial networks definitely were. But what I find interesting here is that the Raoui network is a former Basist network. In other words, a former Saddam Hussein network. They were sanctioned 20 years ago when Saddam was in power as helping him to launder uh, Iraqi oil, get Iraqi oil to market at, despite international sanctions. So, This is what you've got as the beginning of ISIS. I write about it in my book, ISIS Begins. It is this combination of the Saddam Hussein, Ba'ath Party networks, and the Islamists together. You put them together, the Muslim Brotherhood, plus Saddam Hussein, and you get ISIS. Now, I would say you get ISIS and you get Turkey, because uh, Erdogan's regime is very, very close to the same ideological maelstrom that created ISIS.
0: By the way, when Ken mentions any of his books, they're great reads. You can go to his website, KenTemmerman.com, find out how to get a copy of that book. Well, you mentioned the Muslim Brotherhood there just for a moment. Let's move our focus now onto the continent of Africa. And it looks like the Muslim Brotherhood is opening up Africa as a new frontier.
1: Yes, in particular Sudan. Now, people thought that the Muslim Brotherhood was on the run after 2013 when the Muslim Brotherhood president of Egypt was finally overthrown and you had a nationalist government under General al-Sisi take over. But they just went underground. But this is the way that they have operated for 75 years, Jimmy, for actually closer to 100 years since 1928. They will go underground when attacked. Now they are starting to resurface in Sudan They have carried out a number of terrorist attacks against the Sudanese government and against the Egyptian government earlier this year. They are recruiting Islamist fighters to go into Libya to support the government of National Accord in Tripoli, which is a Muslim Brotherhood government sponsored by Turkey and by Qatar. So the Muslim Brotherhood is not dead. They are alive and well in Sudan and in parts of Egypt. They're launching terrorist attacks and they are recruiting fighters as we speak.
0: Quick, if you will, to hear hearing from down under Australia, the prime minister says a war between the United States and China, no longer inconceivable, it could happen.
1: Well, we are seeing a tectonic shift in the U.S.-China relationship. That's what Australian Premier is talking about. They have actually expanded their warfighting capability, spending more money, $190 billion in new defense spending, to parry or defend themselves, if you wish, against the threat from a newly powerful communist China.
0: Folks, I suggest you keep your dial set every single time you have an opportunity to hear us here at Prophecy Today weekend. When I bring Ken Temmerman to this broadcast table, you're going to get information you need to know about as it relates to the geopolitical events happening around this world. That's why we bring him right here to give you that analysis of the world and its geopolitical activities. Ken, thank you so very much. Great information we need to have. Appreciate it. We'll talk again next week. Thanks so
1: much, Jimmy. Always my pleasure. God
0: bless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, David Dolan standing by with a Middle East News update. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today! on the website if you just check it out and go to that particular spot. Prophecy Quiz is available, and parts of our Prophecy Today program, if you should miss any part of it, will be heard the next week right here at prophecytoday.com.
2: And don't forget, you can even email your questions to us for our live radio broadcast. Just go to our website at prophecytoday.com. You'll be amazed, you'll be surprised at what you'll find on our website. Be sure to visit us at prophecytoday.com on the World Wide Web.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're going to continue talking with our broadcast partners across the world to give you insight and details behind the headlines you may hear on the main media sources that you get your news from. We want to look at a Middle East news update with David Dolan. This is key for any of us who study Bible prophecy, but for understanding what's going on in the world. David, a disaster taking place in Beirut, Lebanon this week, and now there is concern in Haifa, right there on the coast, a main port city for Israel, that something similar could happen. Can you give us any details on that?
3: Well, Jimmy, yes, the story is evolving. We had the Lebanese president, Michel Aoun, on Friday say that it could have been ignited by a bomb or a missile. That's the first time we've had such a statement from a Lebanese leader. Huge explosion, of course, hundreds dead, thousands wounded, much destruction. And we do know that Hezbollah has missiles, you and I have discussed it, hidden all over the place in Lebanon and in near schools and public buildings. So there are reports in the Arab uh, and Lebanese media, Arab regional media, and in Lebanon that Hezbollah was behind this, that they were storing missiles at that uh, port. Now, the chief of uh, Hezbollah, Nasrallah, said on Friday in a speech, denied any involvement, and Jimmy... He also said, as you mentioned, that he knows more about the port of Haifa than he does the port of Beirut. He said, we have no role in running the port of Beirut, but we have studied the enemy's port and especially the huge ammonia plant that is there. Well, Jimmy, that was a concern in Israel when I first moved to the country in 1980. Of course, I lived in the north, right along the Lebanese border, working up there for the Voice of Hope Christian radio station until 1984. There was a lot of talk during those years about a possible attack on the ammonia plant in Haifa Bay. There are estimates, and Nestrallah in 2016, in a speech, made reference to a report that had come out in Israel about the dangers of having that ammonia plant there, and that it uh, could take 80,000 lives in an explosion, I think, was the estimate. And that was all over the news, and that's Raleigh quoted it, and he said, we have our own nuclear bomb. And he said it's the port of Haifa and the ammonia that's stored there. He mentioned the amount of ammonia that they have. Now, the Israeli environment minister this week, right after the explosion in be- Beirut, said we have to move that ammonia out of the urban area. It has to be moved further south and out of any urban areas. It's an extremely real situation, uh, Jimmy. It would be a much more uh, powerful explosion than uh, than occurred in Beirut, probably. And uh, as Nasrallah said, it would be like a nuclear explosion. Well... The explosion in Beirut was, uh, they're saying, the most powerful sense. The uh, bomb was dropped on Hiroshima 75 years to the day after the Beirut explosion, which is another reason why some think it may have been sabotaged. But uh, Hezbollah on the defense, but the residents of northern Israel, much more aware now, are reawakened to the danger uh, that this ammonia plant uh, poses in their midst.
0: This is information, dear friends, you're not going to hear in the main media of the world. David, talked to me about an Israeli minister, member of the cabinet, Hanigbi, who said in a special interview with the European Union communications system uh, that Israel's going to have to take back the Gaza Strip. What do you think about that and about Hamas, and would they easily be ready to be under the control of Israel?
3: Well, Jimmy, they keep launching attacks from the Gaza Strip Thursday evening, actually all day Thursday. They sent uh, dozens of bomb-laden balloons into the air. One went uh, about 35 miles to the east and landed just outside the town of Arad, where Israel has its nuclear power plant. These do cause fires. They do cause explosions. They have wounded and even killed people. And they just keep doing these things. And Israel struck back at a Hamas base, uh, the Israeli Air Force, uh, late Thursday night. Sunday night, a rocket was fired into Israel. The Iron Dome system intercepted it, and then Israel responded again with an attack on a position. So this tit-for-tat war is going on all the time. There's been no peace. And uh, yes, you know, if the Palestinians, if Hamas continues to rule there, continues to be radical, and continues to attack lash out at israel then uh, it may well be that israel will have to go back in there and take that land just as they might need to take part of south lebanon back if we do have god forbid such a horrible hezbollah attack in the north or any sort of other attack and uh, maybe even parts of southern syria jimmy because that's again a staging ground these are all places where enemies of israel have gathered have weapons and are using those weapons in periodic attacks and cross-border raids, as Hezbollah did two weeks ago, and Hamas has done so many of those as well. So it it may well happen.
0: David, you and I in our conversations together each week have talked about the possibility of a fourth election in just over about a year and a half. Now the prime minister making his statement, no need for elections, but what we do need is unity. He's basically trying to get all the troops in line, is he not, in the coalition government?
3: He is. It's been a great struggle, and uh, nobody thought it would be easy because, uh, hey, it was his ally, Avigdor Lieberman, that caused the whole crisis over a year ago by leaving his coalition, and now he's paired up with the opposition leader, in effect, the blue and white leader, Benny Gantz. They have very different views on many, many issues, So the fact that they can even try to work together, only put together the government, we have to remember because of the COVID crisis, that was the excuse or the reason for setting up this emergency government, that the two leaders are going to rotate uh, in place. But many people are doubting it's going to last. There's so many cracks in it already. We discussed some of the issues, religious issues, drafting of Orthodox men into the army and uh, some other hot issues going on. So, And, of course, the virus continues. It's been a little bit better in Israel the past uh, week, but it continues in many areas and close downs, and they're discussing lockdowns and all of these sorts of things. So uh, we may well be forced into another election, and uh, the Israelis just just sigh. That's all I can say. They just really don't want that. They'd like to see a real government functioning, but, you know, it is what it is.
0: If you are a regular listener to Prophecy Today weekend, and when I have a conversation with David Dolan, you understand that annexation, in other words, taking sovereignty over Judea and Samaria and possibly the Jordan Valley, was a discussion that was to unfold during the month of July. Well, July has come and gone. No annexation and Jordan has been totally opposed to that annexation. Part of that would have been taking over the old city and the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Jordan this week reiterated to Israel, Al-Aqsa is a place, that's the Temple Mount, is a place of worship for Muslims only. That's drawing a line in the sand, isn't it, David?
3: It is, but it's the same line they've been drawing all along. Uh, They don't want to share any of the uh, holy sites that were actually originally all-Jewish. We're talking about Joseph's tomb in Nablus, the Patriarch's tomb in Hebron, Rachel's tomb in Bethlehem, and, of course, the Temple Mount. So Jews do have access to all of those occasionally, but most of the time the Muslims have them exclusively for use, and that is... Disappointing to a lot of Israelis. But annexation, Jimmy, there's now some talk that possibly the prime minister will wait, see what happens in the November elections, presuming they do take place here in the States and that uh, there is an outcome known uh, fairly soon afterwards that if President Trump wins, he would delay it further because he would still have that support in the White House for a future annexation. If he loses, then they would quickly try to get it done before, of course, the election in early November. He's still in office, any president, until January 20th. So a couple months uh, to, to work there. So we may see that happen.
0: You were mentioning earlier that an explosion with the ammonium nitrate up there in Haifa, which is stored there in urban areas... Uh, could be uh, like a nuclear weapon, according to Hezbollah. Speaking of nuclear weapons, the worst kept secret in the entire world is that Israel is a nuclear-powered nation. But boy, with that fact and what's going on, they really could set uh, the entire Middle East as a nuclear fire. Boy, that is a possibility, isn't it, David? David.
3: They believe, the IDF believes, that they have targeted their best missiles at a number of Israeli targets that would cause great damage and death. That's all I can say. Power plants, other petrochemical plants that exist in Israel, and primarily the Haifa ammonia plant that would be a total disaster if it were ever hit.
0: Folks, if you've been listening, you understand when David gives us his Middle East news update, he's helping us to understand a key region of the world, especially as it relates to Bible prophecy. That's why I think it's essential that we have David's report on a weekly basis. David, thank you so much. Great report, my good friend. We'll talk again next week.
3: Glad to do it, Jimmy. God bless.
0: We're going to take a break. When we come back, John Rood standing by. He's going to give us his European Union update. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. I have written a book entitled, Sound the Trumpets. This book looks at four major trends given to us in the prophetic passages of God's Word. This book will look at an alignment of nations who will form a coalition to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, that their name be forgotten forever. That's Psalm 83 and verse 4. Now this book would help you to better understand why all of the activity that is going on in the Middle East, current events, is actually setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. It will be a great source of information that will assist you in your study of Bible prophecy. Go to my prophecy bookstore, prophecytoday.com, then to the bookstore to make your purchase of the book Sound the Trumpets. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move into our second half hour. John Rood standing by to give us his European Union update. Mike Gendron is going to talk about the Vatican giving more names to the Virgin Mary. I thought her name was Mother of Jesus Christ. We'll find out when we talk with Mike, but right now let's go to John Rood who covers the European Union for us. And John, let me begin with focusing on that terrible explosion, a catastrophic explosion that took place in Beirut this last week. I understand that France's President Macron visited Lebanon. Was he representing the European Union or just his own nation of France? What do we know?
4: French President Macron was quick to come into Lebanon after the explosion there was a trip that was already planned, and the timing of the explosion seems to have some questions. But on behalf of the EU, I do believe they would be sending uh, search teams and giving assistance on, on all possibilities that they're able to do. I am aware of some large church groups there, and uh, miraculously none of the people were uh, killed or injured, but there are a number of people that are homeless.
0: Well, this was a catastrophe, and uh, still the investigation is going on by the Lebanese government, which to some extent is corrupt, so you know you can't hardly understand why it would happen, and it was a tragedy that needs to be understood so we can never let that happen again. Well, there is a report out, and a very interesting report, saying that a strong EU-Israel relationship is critical for Israel's long-term security. We know that the EU will most likely be the revived Roman Empire, the Jewish people and its nation will be here. This is an interesting statement or two, isn't it?
4: Uh, Yes, Jimmy, it's very important to monitor the EU-Israel relationship, we do know in prophecy that there will be a connection between the two. I've actually seen in person the EU-Israel agreement, and it's a couple of thousand pages long, true to EU form. A very high-level group has come out with a signed letter saying uh, that the U.S. vision for peace uh, to prosperity for the Middle East is being implemented, as we know. But they focus extremely on Israel's security and make a very, very strong case why it's absolutely necessary to keep things as they are planning. Uh, But this group has very, very high military intelligence, commanders, and so forth. And uh, you could see that this is a very, very important concern for them. They want to apply the Israeli law to the communities where Israelis live and doing this in the context of the American peace plan. So although that appears to be unilateral at this time, they're interested to move ahead because of the highest priorities concerning their security.
0: Well, and that report from John Root is absolute evidence that he is reporting the political setting up the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. John Cyprus is an island in the Mediterranean Sea and near Libya, and it looks like to me the foreign minister there in Cyprus is saying they can help fulfill the eastern Mediterranean power void that is there. That's a pretty interesting development. Uh,
4: Much happening here. Cyprus's location is very strategic. Turkey does not recognize Cyprus, and the north, northern Cyprus has been occupied by Turkey, so the island is divided as well. The Cyprus foreign minister, and of course Cyprus is a European Union member state, they've come out with some pretty strong wordings, I would say, that the EU should step up to fill what they see to be a power void in the eastern Mediterranean. And so they've used words that the EU should, you know, have larger military footprint, more hard power. Really what they're doing in this invitation to the EU to set up some sort of base of operations in Cyprus, it's really to balance Turkey. And in the last months, as we've seen, Turkey has been expressing themselves more strongly in the Mediterranean Sea. And for now, Turkey's closest relationships are probably with Russia. And so Cyprus so wants to scramble quickly for the EU to step up militarily. Let's see if they're if they're interested to take the offer.
0: Yes, that's a very interesting development, and of course that fits into Bible prophecy as it relates to Turkey and their desire to revive the old Ottoman Empire. Well, what about the fact I got a question the other day in a Q and A where I was speaking at a church, John. They ask if the United Kingdom moving out of the European Union, in other words, Brexit, would that cause any changes to the European Union? What's your opinion?
4: Oh, absolutely. And, of course, we've been looking into that during the entire process. Britain, of course, was giving the power, balance of power to the European Union, the core being essentially Germany, France, and Britain. And Britain, although they didn't take positions, you know, solely to promote what the United States would develop, they were part of expressing their own particular needs. The trade situation now has to be worked out, but the balance of power has been totally affected. The uh, UK is not in any of the EU commission or decision-making process, not in any policy making, et cetera. And so we have that balance of power primarily. This is the first thing I would mention that's been disrupted. We have been noting that the deeper political integration is the eventual result that we're going to see. Brexit would contribute to that. And it's interesting that some people have come against that idea, saying that, you know, Eastern nations, Poland and Hungary, for example, actively oppose any more federalization. But that's the very point. That's the very point, that the EU is always calling for more Europe and a deeper political union. So the question is, who's going to be in and who's going to be out? So the EU is deeply affected. That would be the number one point, I would say. And then there's been an interesting call to form some type of an Atlantic Council that would involve the United States, the United Kingdom, and the EU. Uh, in matters that don't pertain uh, directly or outside the scope of NATO. So um, I think that that's something that we could see as well. The EU is finding its new place on the world stage. Brexit was not a disaster, as people thought. The EU balance of power has been shaken up, and we would see that they would take advantage for more political integration.
0: We have John Root on this broadcast to help us understand how we are watching the formation of the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word. He reports on the European Union. That's the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. So we talk about the prophetic significance of this as well. John, thank you so much. Appreciate this report. We'll talk again next week.
4: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: A key region as it relates to Bible prophecy European Union, absolutely, I'm convinced, is the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. That's Daniel chapter 7. Well, right now, we're going to a good friend, Mike Gendron. He heads up a ministry where they endeavor to try to win as many Catholic people as they can to the Lord. The reason for that, Mike was a Catholic, and then came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Mike, it's great to have you back as a broadcast partner today. And I noticed as I was reading your recent newsletter that the Pope has given three more new names to the Virgin Mary. And then you list a number of names that she already has, according to the Catholic Church. My concern is, should she only have not the title the mother of Jesus Christ. Why all the names for Mary there in the Vatican?
5: Well, yes, that's the only name biblically that she should have, but the Roman Catholic Church has exalted Mary primarily, I think, through apparitions, and we'll talk about that because I think that prophetically is really going to come into play. But uh, the Catholic Church lifts up Mary to have a lot of the attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course, in 1854, they pronounced that Mary was conceived without sin, the Immaculate Conception, and then another infallible dogma came around in 1950, where they declared that Mary's body was assumed into heaven, and that came because many Catholics were saying, if sin is causing death and the body to decay, and Mary never sinned, what happened to her body? And so, one false doctrine or dogma led to another false dogma. And so ever since then, the Catholic Church has esteemed Mary to a level equal with Christ. And um, we know that Jesus Christ is the one mediator between God and man, but the Catholic Church calls Mary the mediatrix of all grace. She is co-redeemer and advocate, the queen of heaven and the queen of peace. And just on and on and on. There are more Catholic churches named after Mary than there are named after Jesus.
0: But is it not correct, Mike, that indeed Mary actually has no part, no role in the salvation and or sanctification of any person who may come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior?
5: Absolutely no role whatsoever. But once again I think we can look to the scriptures because the apostle Paul wrote To the Corinthians, he said, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And so this is what the devil attempts to do, to take our eyes off of Christ and put them on someone else. So the Catholic Church is a willing pawn of the devil to exalt Mary to, to the point where she is venerated, which is another form for worship. But the Catholic exaltation of Mary actually diminishes the sufficiency of Christ and, and even the integrity of the Gospel. One of the catechism, uh, the Catholic Catechism, paragraph 971, teaches that devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary is intrinsic to Christian worship. And so it's not an option for Catholics. They must be devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And again, taking their eyes off of Jesus, that's the goal of the devil, to get people's eyes off of Christ and out of his word. That way he can deceive the world with false teachings.
0: Earlier, Mike, you mentioned apparitions of Mary. Explain that for those of us who may not quite understand what you're talking about.
5: Well, apparitions are supernatural visions. They're unexplainable. We know that Satan has great power and I believe the source of these apparitions can either be from God or from the devil. And so all we have to do is test the spirits, which is what John has called us to do in 1 John 4.1. We test the spirits by listening to what the voices are saying. And many of the apparitions of Mary are statements given to direct people away from Christ and to her. One example, Jimmy, would be you saw hell where souls of poor sinners go in order to save them. God wishes to establish devotion to my immaculate heart. This is the apparition of Mary speaking. People do what I say, then many souls will be saved and there will be peace. And so an apparition is a supernatural vision, and we know that Satan will use lying signs and wonders to deceive the world. And this is obviously uh, a way to deceive the world by pointing people to a person declaring themselves to be Mary, but we know it cannot be the true Mary because she goes directly against the words of Christ and the Word of God, and that's what it means to test every spirit. But unfortunately, Roman Catholics are told not to trust the Word of God, but to trust the traditions and the rites and dogmas of their church.
0: And that's where they make their mistake. And, of course, that's basically the main purpose of your ministry, to reach out to the Catholic world, a great field for evangelism. And we praise you for doing that, you and your team, Mike. I understand also from your newsletter that the Pope has committed Mary to protect China. Now, we're talking about communist China. Why did the Pope make that decision?
5: Well, it goes back to an agreement, it's an interim agreement that was signed by the Vatican and the Chinese government back in 2018, and shortly after the interim agreement was signed, China continued to demolish Roman Catholic churches and crosses and continues to hold their clergy in detention, and so this agreement is up for renewal next month, but Because the Communist Party has continued to destroy Catholic Churches, the Pope came out and said, We entrust the pastors and faithful of the Catholic Church in that great country to the guidance and protection, not of God, but of our Heavenly Mother, so that they may be strong in the faith and firm in fraternal union. So the Pope is recognizing that the Catholic Church in China is under persecution by the Communist government. So rather than entrust it to Almighty God, the sovereign king of the world and the universe, he entrusts this Catholic Church to the guidance and protection of Mother Mary. And so this is, again, an example of how the Roman Catholic Church esteems Mary and gives her the attributes of God. We know that God is the only one that has the power to protect anyone on this earth but yet uh, the Catholic Church doesn't know the Bible very well. We read in Psalm one forty eight thirteen, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and above the heavens. If Catholics would only read their Bible, the truth would set them free from this religious deception that holds them in bondage. And that is my prayer for any Roman Catholic that might be listening to this broadcast Don't listen to the Pope. Test everything he says with the authority of God's Word.
0: Mike, I understand that there are probably around 100 million Catholics that are in China. However, they are a part of a state church, which is not really a a true biblical church, is it?
5: No, it's not a biblical church. In fact, the Catholic Church has not been a biblical church Really, since the Council of Trent, that's where they officially and dogmatically departed from the faith of the apostles to the point where they condemn born-again Christians with over 100 anathemas. But yes, there is uh, quite a few Roman Catholics in China. It is a state-run religion. In fact, the state actually has the authority to appoint Roman Catholic bishops, and that's one of the issues that are up for negotiation with this next interim agreement.
0: I am wondering, as we've been listening to you speak about this particular issue, how Catholicism and Communism actually go together. Can you explain that, Mike?
5: Well, yes. uh, This pope and previous popes have really been into liberation theology, which is really a form of socialism and Marxism, and of course, you know, it's just one step away from Communism, but uh, obviously the Catholic Church is very interested in helping the poor yet they will not take any money out of their treasury to do so but it's a very political movement within the catholic church to move more towards socialism and marxism and this may be one of the ways that they find agreement with the communist party as uh, they continue down this road towards socialism
0: of course we do not see the word catholic in god's word in the bible itself But we do see that the kings of the East, which would include communist China, will be a major player at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. However, the Catholic Church, though not mentioned by name, described basically in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, the false church headquartered there in Rome, Italy. That's an absolute, isn't it, Mike?
5: Well, it really is. If you look at the um, epoch of time in which we're in, There is no one more influential on this earth as the false prophet mentioned in Revelation 13 and 17 than the office of the Pope in Rome. Now, I'm not for a moment suggesting Pope Francis would be the false prophet, but I think the office of the papacy carries so much power and influence throughout the world. It's also an office that declares itself to be infallible, whereby people listen to the Pope and they know that he cannot err in matters of faith and morals. And so this is a setup to have this false prophet point the world to a man who has come to solve all the world's problems, the Antichrist. And so these two men will usher in this period of peace for a period of time, and then the Antichrist will turn against the religion that set him up in the first place.
0: Mike Gendron, our broadcast partner right here on Prophecy Today. Mike, thanks for the conversation. I'm sure we'll have another one down the road.
5: It's a pleasure, Jimmy.
0: Well, here's another important conversation that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. If you'll eavesdrop on this conversation, you'll be excited as we are. And I'm talking we, Don DeYoung and Jimmy DeYoung. Not that we know that we're kin in any way, shape, or form except through Christ, brothers, of course, in the Lord. But Don is an astronomer, he is a scientist, he has written books on astronomy. He's a world-renowned astronomer, and we enjoy all the conversations we can have with Don. Normally, we talk about the heavens and what might be going on. We're going to kind of do that this time because I want to talk with Don about the recent space travel. A couple of astronauts going up to the space station, spending a couple of months there, and then coming back safely, splashing down in the Gulf of Mexico, just off the coast of Florida. Don, that was an exciting experience. Judy and I were traveling down the road And as we were listening on that Saturday, when they splashed down, it was just as if I could almost see it in my mind. But it was an amazing thing that they were telling us about on the networks across the world covering this particular event.
6: Well, it is exciting, Jimmy, uh, exploring the boundaries of the Earth. I think we're all interested in exploring nearby space.
0: When we talk about space and we understand what's really going on, I'm wondering if this that we are talking about now and rejoicing over the success of, is this going to be able to kickstart the interest in space again and travel again out there into the high wild blue yonder?
6: Well, yes, Jimmy, there is a kind of a reawakening of uh, space exploration. And what's new, what's happening now is that um, private companies, private enterprise are competing with each other. And uh, that's always positive, and they're kind of going places that even uh, the government, NASA, was not able to do. And things are becoming much more efficient, and we continue to learn just the value of, uh, of, of orbiting around the Earth.
0: Well, and this space is possibly going to be the next frontier. Would you agree with that? And do you see that biblically it's all right for we as people on this Earth in this time period should be allowed to go out there and explore this new frontier.
6: Well, yes, you know, there are, there are many frontiers. One can go to the depths of the ocean or one can go high in the sky and you can go both directions. And in every case, I think what we are finding is how special the Earth is that it was created for us. And also there are just many ideas, Uh, it's almost um, that God has put secrets out there for us to find, to explore, to discover, and then apply them as well. It all shows his preparation for us.
0: And not only that, his glory, because we see these things happening, unfolding, In the Heavenlies, Psalm 19. You know, as I was eavesdropping on what they were saying, reporting when the space vehicle was on its way back to Earth and splashing down there in the Gulf of Mexico, they were talking about what can be done in an atmosphere with no gravity, in other words, in space pharmaceuticals, uh, electronical activities, etc. I mean there's so many things that can be done not here on the earth but in space with no gravity, is that correct? Well, that's
6: true. Uh, we call these spin-offs, applications that we get from the whole space program and along with uh, particular new products, the whole idea is it's pumping technology. It's it's forcing us to uh improve and do things that we hadn't done before. So it's just a good uh, motivation. Uh, In space, boy, lots of value with um, health and safety and uh, new kinds of communication. In fact, just in the health area, Jimmy, uh, the space program really pushes ahead and improves things like robotic surgery, pacemakers, Lasik eye surgery. All these areas are improved and worked on the details by our whole space program.
0: I know they just went to the space station itself, and they were there for a two-month period of time. But uh, when they were commentating on this return back from that space station, they mentioned extended stays, and in particular, they were focused on the moon. They said that's their major project right now to get to the moon, be able to set up a space station there so there can be an extended stay. Is that possible, Don?
6: Well, you know, the moon is our nearest neighbor in in space, and of course, we've been there back in the '60s, and it may be time to go back there again. And uh, again, it's you have to bring the Earth along with you your your air and your your food and what you need. And it shows again how unique the Earth is. But on the moon, uh, there are certainly things that can be done. For instance, it'd be an excellent astronomy observatory. With uh, no atmosphere on the moon, uh, no no light interference, it'd be a, a, another good place to explore deep space beyond.
0: I would tell you this, Don, you and I need to start gearing up. I'd like to go there because when I take my walks and look up at uh, the parts of the world that in the universe we don't know much about, I look at the moon. Last night I saw it, thought about being able to walk there. I understand their desire, though, is to have an extended stay on the moon in their venture to get out to Mars. Could that really happen?
6: Well, you know, as the Lord permits and as time goes by, certainly um, uh, the moon could be a place to um, visit. I don't know if it could be colonized or not, but it it would be a stepping stone. Uh, I don't know how, you know, whether the Lord in this present age wants us how far to explore space, but he's given us the ability, and as long as we continue to uh, honor him and give him the glory, I think there's many discoveries to be made on the moon and beyond.
0: I do know one thing for certain. Don DeYoung and Jimmy DeYoung are going to go past the moon, past Mars, past Jupiter, all the way to into the third heaven when Jesus Christ shouts at the rapture of the church. We'll be doing our space venture at that time, won't we, Don?
6: Well, that's a great perspective to have, uh, Jimmy. Uh, Everything we see is uh, God's handiwork.
0: And also everything we see on earth seems to indicate Uh, that space travel for you and I who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior about to happen. We're talking, of course, about the rapture of the church. Don, it was great being able to talk with you today. Thank you so very much. Appreciate interacting. I just thought that was an exciting adventure that took place, and it may well kickstart the space interest that people will have here on the earth. So I wanted us to talk about it. Appreciate it. We'll have another conversation down the road.
6: Yes, Jimmy, good visiting with
0: you. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I've got one more broadcast partner, David James, standing by. He is going to give us a report on activities that we need to understand, current events, a church meeting when they're told by the state not to meet. You need to hear that conversation. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. <laughs> Hi everybody, Jimmy Young, Welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move now into our last half hour. If you have given us the first hour, please stay around. We have David James. We're going to have a discussion about should the church go against the government and hold services, or should they obey the government? You do not want to miss that conversation. Upcoming in a moment right here on Prophecy Today. I have a poll question that I would love for you to respond to. You go to my home page on my website, prophecytoday.com. On the left-hand column, if you'll scroll down, you'll find the poll question. This week, here's the question. Since Romans 13 says that we must be subject to higher authorities, and since those authorities are ordained of God— should we be subject to these authorities? Of course, that's the question, and you can answer it. It's referring to what the church should do when told by the government they should not hold their meetings because of the coronavirus pandemic. That's a major discussion. David and I will talk about it in just a moment. Also, I want to remind you, I have a YouTube channel It's youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. That's where you can find my prophecy moment. It's portions of different messages that I have given as we travel across the United States teaching and preaching the prophetic word of God. Love for you to be able to view these prophecy moments. Go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. And one other outreach that we have teaching the prophetic word of God is on the John Ankerberg television program. Go to John Ankerberg's Facebook. You'll be able to catch my teaching on the prophetic word of God found in Revelation. We now bring to these microphones David James. David and I have a weekly conversation. I'm so glad you can listen in to hear what we discuss because we deal with issues confronting the church and Christians that need to have a biblical perspective. We're going to be talking about should churches open up or remain closed because of the coronavirus pandemic here in America. The debate is actually heating up. We'll get to that in a moment. But as we've been doing for many weeks right now here on My Conversation with David, we're going to start the discussion with an email from one of our listeners. And this week, he's trying to understand a passage of John chapter 6, where Jesus is speaking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. David, can you give us some insight for this listener to our radio program?
4: Sure. Well, the question comes from one of our longtime listeners, actually, and he wrote, I praise God for your ministry and being on Worldview Weekend with Brandon House, and I've been listening to both of your shows for many years, and as you mentioned, he was talking about John chapter 6, and that's verses 53 through 58. Uh, We won't read the whole thing, but it starts out, Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So I'm guessing our listener is wondering about the Roman Catholic interpretation of that passage, which is when they say that when the priest consecrates the bread and wine during Mass, they literally become Christ's body and blood, and this is called transubstantiation. Now, I've been studying Roman Catholicism for over 35 years, and I'm convinced that transubstantiation is rooted in ancient Greek philosophy rather than the Bible, and specifically Aristotle's priest, scientific theories about the nature of matter, but we don't have time to get into that. The main point is that Jesus does make it clear exactly what he's talking about. He's using a metaphor and figurative language, and in verse 40, using the same language, he says, everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then in verse 47, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So eating and drinking his body, body of blood is a metaphor for believing because he's the source of eternal life.
0: Great answer to the question. Lots of people probably have had that same question before. David, there's an ongoing news story that's gained national attention over the last couple of weeks, and it's about John MacArthur and his church defying the state government of California in order to gather for the worship services. Give us some details, please.
4: Well many news outlets have been reporting on this and it's all over Facebook as well people are commenting and, and posting and a couple of days ago Fox News ran an article that carries this headline California pastor defies coronavirus orders despite threat of arrest Newsom not the head of the church and with the subtitle quoting John MacArthur is saying we're not spreading anything but the gospel when John MacArthur was being interviewed on a Fox News program and in that interview He went on to say that California Governor Gavin Newsom is overstepping his executive privileges with draconian restrictions by shutting down churches and telling believers they cannot worship during the coronavirus pandemic. Now, Grace Community Church, which is in Sun Valley in Los Angeles County, gathered for worship two weeks ago on July 26th, and along with the church's change of direction and stance on the matter, that's prompted a flurry of reporting as well as reactions on social media. And it's not surprising that this would generate a lot of controversy in the secular world, but it's also created a lot of division within the Christian community, including among conservative evangelicals.
0: And my understanding is that, David, there's been some back and forth on this with John MacArthur and Grace Community Church for some time. And other pastors, as you just mentioned, and churches across the country are watching this and trying to figure out what to do themselves.
4: Well, you know, high-profile churches can have a lot of influence on other churches and on society and even on the government, as we're seeing. And obviously, California has been one of the tightest states in the country, and Grace Community Church had shut down in the spring, as had other churches across the state. Then in May, if you remember, when President Trump declared that churches were essential services, MacArthur's church was ready to open again, and then the Ninth Circuit uh, District Court stepped in to up uphold the governor's orders, and they did not meet that Sunday. And at that time, MacArthur issued a public statement from the elders that included the following, for now the Ninth Circuit decision is sadly the law of the land in California, and we gladly submit to the sovereign purposes of God. Now, I think that part of what we're seeing now, Jimmy, is what we could Maybe call called pandemic fatigue, and now things are tightening again, so people are, are responding to this in maybe even different ways than they have in the past few months, and churches across the country have been trying to work through this and figure out the best way forward, often on a week-to-week basis, and our own church is having to do this. It's just a tough situation for
0: everyone. Yes, it certainly is a tough situation, and David, you and I want to be balanced and give a balanced perspective because unfortunately this issue has become very divisive among believers. Let's uh, first look at the arguments being made for going against government mandates concerning limiting meetings or even outright temporary closures.
4: Well, when you and I were discussing today's program a few days ago, we both said that we were still undecided about where we stand on this, so we're not trying to push for one side or the other and trying to be balanced, as you said. I And I think John MacArthur's statement is fairly representative of those who say that churches can and should defy government mandates. That would keep believers from coming together for large gatherings, and the following is uh, an excerpt from a public statement by the elders of John MacArthur's church, they Said, Christ is Lord of all. He is head of the church. He is also King of kings, sovereign over every earthly authority. As his people, we are subject to his will and commands as revealed in scripture. And then they go on to say, Therefore, we cannot and will not acquiesce to a government imposed moratorium on our weekly congregational worship or other regular corporate gatherings. Compliance would be disobedience to our Lord's clear commands. So, Jimmy, there are many who hold this view, and among others, other passages, they would cite Hebrews chapter ten verses twenty four and twenty five, which says, "And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching." And they would also refer to Acts chapter five, verse twenty nine, where Peter and John have been brought before the Jewish authorities for preaching the gospel of Christ, and they said, "We ought to obey God rather." than men. But honestly, to keep things balanced here, going back to Hebrews, a couple of chapters later in chapter 13, verse 17, the writer says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls
0: as those who must give account. And David, concerning that last point, that's part of the argument on the other side, uh, that we're commanded to submit to governing authorities in that and other passages as well, like Romans 13.
4: Well, that's right, Jimmy. The first two verses in Romans 13 say, "...let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves." So that's pretty strong language. And along this line of thinking, there have been other high-profile pastors and Christian leaders who have taken John MacArthur to task for the stance of his church— For example, one article that I read opened with this. Before your church follows John MacArthur's Grace Community Church and begins to gather in defiance of governmental orders this Sunday, hold on stop and think with me for a moment. And then he went on to say, in years and decades to come, we may have many opportunities to defy governmental incursions. And then he wrote, I also respect the decision of the Grace Community elders, yet I'd also like to add, civil disobedience may not be the only legitimate or moral course of action at this moment. And, Jimmy, others have pointed out that for the most part, these mandates haven't been singling out Christians, although I would have to say this has become... Uh, a major point of contention where bars have been able to open, for example, and churches have not. Uh, But, Jimmy, there's also the matter of being good citizens, not only from the perspective of obeying authorities, but being good neighbors and, and caring about others in our community. And that's what we're talking about in being balanced in our thinking.
0: David, as we wrap it up, I think it would be helpful to pull this all together and maybe give some ideas about how we can think through this in a way that balances this out and reduces the tensions between believers. Yeah, I
4: I agree with you, Jimmy. Uh, First of all, I I think we need to believe the best about one another as believers and give each other the benefit of the doubt. You know, I've seen a lot of attacks as I've followed this on Facebook and and watching articles, and there's been uh, quite a bit of judging of motives, with some on really both sides lobbing grenades at the other side by either challenging their lack of faith and accusing them of operating out of either fear or out of a rebellious spirit. And I would say this isn't the black and white issue that some are trying to make it out to be, or really there probably wouldn't be a debate in the first place, at least among conservative uh evangelicals. And, you know, there are godly believers on both sides who are doing their best to be biblical, and pastors and elders, they're trying to lead their congregations in a way that honors the Lord and and cares for their communities and the members in their churches and respects governmental authorities at the same time. You know, every church is autonomous and responsible to find that right biblical balance uh, within their own states and communities. So I think we should leave it up to individual congregations and their leadership and have the grace to lovingly agree to disagree if we see things differently. And I think another thing some folks need that we need to think about is that some people need to care for elderly parents and other high-risk family members, so that affects their decisions. And the way we all think about this is evolving, you you and I included, and I think we need to give others room to work through this according to their conscience. And and this would even include things like wearing masks and other things uh, related to this whole issue, and and we should do it without judging motives.
0: I like the phrase you use, David. Uh, The great conversation, great statement, in fact, in this last response to my last question. But you said each church is autonomous. I think that's key. And before the Lord, the pastor, the leadership of the church, and the members, the congregants in that church need to come before the Lord with Bible in hand, as you and I do, endeavoring to try to come to a conclusion on what we should do. Very, very different times in our world today. Thank you so much, David. Appreciate your research, and thank you for suggesting. In fact, I got this idea to have this conversation with David from David, so I agreed 100%, and I think it was a good conversation. Thank you so much, my good friend. Be ready for another one next week.
4: I'll look forward to it, Jimmy. Uh, Thanks so much, and uh, be safe with your family.
0: Thank you, dear brother. You do the same. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to open up the Bible, take a look at the book, as we discuss the issues reported by our broadcast partners. That's all ahead, right here on Prophecy Today. want to remind you that I do have a website. It's prophecytoday.com. This is a full-service website. It will assist you in your study of Bible prophecy. For example, I have a prophecy bookstore with a number of materials that will help you as you study through the prophetic passages of God's Word. I have a number of books, DVD documentaries, and five-hour audio series on the subject of Bible prophecy. I have a prophecy Q&A section, and then I list the top ten news stories on a daily basis. These are news stories that seemingly are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled, and I will give you a prophetic perspective on those news stories. That website that you should bookmark is prophecytoday.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. Dear friends, we went around the world to contact our broadcast partners so that they could give us input on the current events unfolding in our world this is key information as we study Bible prophecy. We do that so that we can compare these current events to the prophetic passages found in the Bible, and then we can better understand the urgency of the moment. If you had to miss any of these reports from our broadcast partners, please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, and then to ptrn. Prophecy Today Radio Network. There you will find all of my broadcast partner's reports for you to be able to listen to, basically, at your convenience. And after you have done that, please tell a friend or a family member about these reports. They need to hear them as well. Right now, though, I would like to give you my prophetic perspective on these reports. Ken Timmerman, who covers the geopolitical events happening in our world, came to our broadcast table and we talked about the mysterious bomb blast in Beirut. Latest reports, according to Ken, is that Hezbollah could have been the cause for this catastrophic explosion. It was Hezbollah's two tons of ammonium nitrate that was stored in that warehouse in the port area of Beirut. Hezbollah also had rockets in that same warehouse as well. And Lebanon, a member of the alignment of nations that will go against the Jewish state of Israel, first thought it might be Israel involved. Their investigating will have to give you that complete report on the investigation when we know it but it is a part of the Middle Eastern activities that help us to recognize we're living in the last days. David Dolan is a man who gives us his Middle East news update on a weekly basis, some 35 years as a journalist in that region of the world. And David told us about the Israeli cabinet member who said that the Israelis must retake the Gaza Strip. This was not a man in a cabinet position of high authority, but he's very close to the prime minister. You've got to remember the prime minister leads in the direction they go as it relates to Hamas and the Gaza Strip. Remember also that Israel evacuated the Gaza Strip back in 2005, and that set in place a potential for Israel to go to a civil war because of the decision made by the then-Prime Minister Ariel Sharon. However, it also set up a launch pad for Hamas to use that launch pad to destroy the Jewish state. The Palestinians are major players in Bible prophecy as you study the Word of God. There is more judgment pronounced against the Palestinian people than any other people group in all the world you need to study, you can go to my Prophecy Bookstore on my website, prophecytoday.com, and there get a copy of my documentary on the Palestinians, Esau and the Palestinians. That's at the Prophecy Bookstore on my website. John Rood gave us his European Union update He said that it's a very interesting relationship between the European Union and Israel today. I say that this relationship today is key to Israeli security. You know, today's relationship between the European Union and Israel is basically a precursor to the tribulation period. The European Union will be the revived Roman Empire, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1 and chapter 17 and verse 12 the prophetic passages in God's word tell us that the revived Roman Empire will join with the Islamic world to destroy the Jewish state of Israel. Mike Gendron, he reported about the Vatican and new names for Mary, the mother of Jesus, and that the Pope has assigned Mary to protect communist China and what's going on there. Well, Mike is a former Catholic who got saved, and I was reaching out to the Catholic world to give them the truth about God's Word and how to get saved. This report, however, revealed the heresy of the Catholic Church. They are in partnership with Communist China. That's a country that is led by a satanic philosophy. Well, of course, Rome is going to be the location of a satanic church, a false church, according to Revelation chapter 17. had a delightful conversation with Don DeYoung. We talked about the recent space flight to the space station and then the return to Earth splashing down in the Gulf of Mexico. I asked Don, if this would kickstart interest in space as it was about 20 to 30 years ago. Great conversation. Don is so aware of what's going on. He's a scientist, and astronomer, and he talked about space as a major frontier for the United States to investigate. So many advantages that can be taken while you're in a non-gravity situation, as you would be in space, And of course, you've got to remember, we're going through that area, that space, at the rapture of the church, and God's word helps us to recognize his glory as we continue to look into the heavenlies. Well, David James and I concluded my conversations with my broadcast partner by addressing the situation should a church obey government or shut down the church. Now, this is a complex situation. The Bible tells us that we are to worship together, but at the same time, to obey government. Romans chapter 13. Remember Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 says, where two or three are gathered together, he is in the midst. You see, we can worship Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Son when two or three come together. That actually means we can obey government and obey God at the same time. Well, all of these reports lead us to only one conclusion. The next event on God's calendar of activities is going to be the rapture of the church when Jesus shouts, the archangel shouts, calling us up to be with Jesus forever in the heavenlies. That rapture actually could take place in reality, any moment, even today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until. Thank you
2: so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. (laughs)